Hello everyone and such a warm welcome to you all. I'm Molly Rowan Leach and I'm the executive producer of Restorative Justice on the Rise and we have the honor of working with the NACRJ here in Denver on the ground as a media liaison and today in this moment we have the wonderful pleasure of sitting with two of our youth leadership representing from Oakland. And so um, I'm really excited to take a, a few minutes here with both of you. We have Yota Omosoho. Her pronouns are she, her, and hers. And um, Yota is with the um, student board membership of the Oakland Unified School District. And she also is on the council and committee, convening committee with the NACRJ for this Denver conference. So welcome, Yota. Thank you. <laughs> so great to have you here. And then we have also um, the wonderful Griffin Rizolis Castillo. His pronouns are he, him, and his. And um, Griffin is a student advisor for the Oakland Unified School District, as well as, uh, as mentioned, a member of the NACRJ Denver Conference Youth Leadership Committee. And this leadership committee put on an incredible pre-conference experience yesterday on Thursday, June 13th. It was a youth pre-conference with workshops for the entire day, including some powerful table sessions that were like many community building circles where we discussed very key topics and came out with a lot of takeaways that were poignant. Um, it was a powerful experience for me as an adult to listen to youth voices and to really drink that in. So thank you so much, both of you, for being here with us and looking forward to hearing some reflections. Um, why don't we start by just sharing a bit about your work with the Youth Committee and tell us how, how that got started. Yota, would you like to start? Yeah, sure. Um, Welcome. Thank you. So the Youth Convening, actually, we actually got involved with it like two months before the conference happened. So we're in a few video calls with other youth from like across the state and we got to plan how we want the pre-conference to look like because we wanted to create a space where young people felt they could be comfortable in their own voices and also to be a community before the conference actually happened. And so it was a lot of planning, it was a lot of video calls, it was a lot of trying to figure out, okay, who's gonna do this and who's gonna do this part? Because it's like a big machine and like we're all different parts of it. Um, but in the end, I think it was really successful. People had really strong takeaways, and I felt really proud to be involved in that and participate in that. Um, Griffin, how do you, how do, how do you share? How do you say it? Um, so I think we, we got involved, like Yoda had mentioned, with the youth committee later on in the process of them planning the pre-conference workshop. So there, there are two youth committees. There's one that's more focused on the conference itself and the youth aspect of that in the pre-conference session, which is which we were a part of. And the pre-conference session had a heavy focus on the youth. So that was that was why we were involved from Oakland, um, and it, there was there were a couple adults as leads on the project, um, but it was it was the most of the people involved were youth. And does the youth council and leadership have uh, any plans on doing something in the future? And can you tell us a little bit about who this involves? I'm assuming it's nationally, correct? Yeah. Oh, um, so. It, I, as far as I know, at least, this is this this youth committee was only 
intended to last up until the conference began and until after the pre-conference I, I, I think that we were supposed to be done with our work um, but I, I would be very interested in hope to continue this work and yeah. have youth as a center and continue to push youth voice you know being youth from Oakland with a lot of activism that's uh, at the heart of a lot of my work personally mm. yeah and through this work we have built a lot of different connections mm. and we've seen how restorative justice plays out in different communities like in Oakland we have like a really like specific way of thinking about it and like getting to learn from other mm. youth who are who are actively like involved in restorative justice was just like really mind-blowing and exposed me to so much more so I do hope like we continue to move forward and like viewed as a collective more because I do think this work is important and keeping youth yeah. at the center is like yeah needed uh, and like Yoda mentioned like I think one of the biggest things for me was learning outside of Oakland because like all the restorative justice work I've done has been inside of Oakland you know so and again like I'm grateful to have done the work that I have but Oakland is a bubble and just like all the communities we operate in are bubbles and it's hard to see the bigger picture sometimes and, and acknowledge that there are other people um, doing the restorative justice work that we are and I think like even if we are doing different things we have things to share and learn from each other mm -hmm. so I think I hope that like Yoda mentioned we're able to do more of this work in the future mm. I know that both of you are extremely involved within, again, the OUSD, which is the Oakland Unified School District. And as recent graduates last year, um, maybe you could give us a little um, history mm -hmm. and perspective of how you stepped into restorative justice. Mm -hmm. What was your first insider experience? And um, take us forward from there mm -hmm. to now, if you would, please. Specific. Okay, yeah. um, well, I got involved in restorative justice the summer of my sophomore, before my sophomore year. So I was involved in an internship, and through that, they connected me to a leadership um, committee called All City Council, which is like a student leadership for OUSD. And it was the first time I had sat in circle. And mind you, I had my whole freshman year in OUSD, and I had never sat in circle. And this was the first time, and it was with a bunch of student leaders. And are you when you say circle, sorry for interrupting, yeah. but... Um, <laughs> Are you saying a, a community building? A community building circle. Okay, thank you for yes. clarifying that. Because really, in restorative justice, there's a definition um, between you know conflict-related mm -hmm. circles mm -hmm. and, and community building circles. Yes, yeah. I think like briefly to that in Oakland, we look at it like it all falls within community building, right? Community Great. building is the big yeah. circle, right? But right. the harm and the welcome circles are still a part of that. So we use the word circle very freely because we think of it all as, as one circle. Because either way, we're in circle. Wonderful. Yeah. But thank you love for clarifying that. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Just for our listeners, sometimes yeah. I think it's helpful, but I love how you added to that and developed it in, the, in that direction. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, Yota, now, <laughs> um, are you, as a board member of the Oakland Unified, um, do you, you, you attend meetings? Mm -hmm. You also probably are involved with the school system still in a certain way. Yeah. But tell us what you're doing, and then Griffin, you can do the same <laughs> well as a as a student board member I actually got this position a year ago so the, like the beginning of my senior year and this year has really been challenging because OUSD has been going through a lot of like budget cuts and there was a teacher strike and there were like multiple students stick out so students were feeling like really unheard and they were feeling really restricted and as a student board member I had to step up and I learned like really easily that restorative justice is like at the center of that because when we talk about harm in our community, like who are we throwing who are we throwing away and who are we pulling back in, right? So if we want to engage students and adults and teachers and board members, how are we using restorative justice as a tool to facilitate that process? And I feel as a board member, I had to, 
I had to learn what that means as a young person also and as a person who is representative of the entire student body. So I would say I learned how restorative justice can like interrupt an institution that is like mm. not designed for students. And I learned how students can be like catalysts of that change. Yeah. So that was my experience as a student board member, yeah. Um, I think so. Uh, Yoda's you. position through the student board on the on the board of education uh, as a student was through an organization uh, called All City Council Student Union, okay. and uh, we represent all. I, I'm on that too as the vice president. My my um, association's a little different, um, but we represent all 36,000 students in OUSD, and we can't speak for them. And I think a lot of what we did um, during this year was not speaking for students, but trying to inform students and mobilize them. And, um, something that I've learned is that you, you that students aren't going to move; they don't want to move, right? But if we if we feel strongly about something and feel like students should know about it, then they will move. And I think that's what really happened this year. Um, with restorative justice being at the heart of it, like Yoda had mentioned, mm -hmm. um, restorative justice was one of the big things that was being cut this year, among many other programs. Um, but why mismanagement of so. That's my question. That's, yeah. what, that's what I want an answer to. Why are they cutting sort of justice? <laughs> and like, there's proof that it works. So I'm like, what was your? And then, and then you get into the whole, the whole <laughs> problem of having all this money at the top. Superintendents leaving, still getting money. All the, all the people in the office, central office, working higher up and controlling things, getting all this money. Teachers making no money. Te students getting not much money. And then, you know, California alone being one of the, um, uh, one of the states with the lowest. Funding for Funding schools. for students, yeah, right. in schools. Um, but yeah, restorative justice, so that that's part of it. Um, restorative justice, the way that restorative justice has in, been introduced to Oakland, and Oakland has um, learned about restorative justice, it's become the heart of a lot of things. Um, so it started, I think Ardroy brought into the schools, right? Kind of? I don't, I, I don't think it was Ardroy. Um, it was somebody, though. It was, Oakland is... <laughs> I say this a lot, but Oakland is such a unique place yeah. and it's mm -hmm. like super diverse. And mm -hmm. if you look at the history of Oakland, like the Black Panther movement, there were like yep. a lot of like criminalization of our people, like yep. specifically in West Oakland. Mm -hmm. And there was just a lot of harm mm. and a coalition of people. I think, I don't know if they're members of the Black Panthers, but like a coalition of people actually came together and they started restorative justice, but also like acknowledging that it's like rooted in um, yeah. traditional practices yeah. of like indigenous people, right? But um, restorative justice became a huge part of Oakland. Like when we hired our mayor, like she sat in yeah. how many circles? Like multiple circles yeah. with young people. Mm -hmm. So it's like embedded in like the city of Oakland. Like it's mm -hmm. something we uphold so much. Yeah, and I think, so restorative, ju sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> restorative justice was introduced to the schools. And then through that, I think started middle school, got to high school, and then High schoolers and as students started to be involved with it more, it was introduced to ACC, and it, it's one of the roles that we have. ACC is All City Council. Sorry about student that. Student union. <laughs> um, student union. Um, but one of the roles that we have on this on um, All City Council is a parliamentarian, and they're, they're intended to hold circles with us and, and make sure that the culture and climate of the group of a All City Council Student Union is is healthy and is productive, and we, we try to work in circle. Mm -hmm. um, and so that that mentality and that that mindset of working in circle kind of carried past just um, the work that we did with ourselves, but more in the work, the organizing we did too. Um, we advocate a lot for A and B, we got um, student, not student directors, but board people on the board of education to agree to sit in circle with us. And I think after getting them to agree to that, there was one presentation we were giving to the board as an end of the year report. 
and normally we're not they we give the report and they ask us questions and feedback and that's the extent of it but they actually broke protocol and we, we followed suit i think protocol is a lot of the time slows down the way that things happen and it's less human but we had a conversation mm-hmm. with them and we, we learned a lot and got closer with them oh, i love that yeah. so it sounds like you've been doing a lot of bridge building mm. And if you don't mind, let's go back to the budget cuts for a moment. And um, can can you give us an update if you don't mind? And also, again, there's probably a lot of people listening who may not understand why restorative justice is so powerful. Mm-hmm. So if you could tell us what you've seen and why it works, be, be specific if you can. Mm-hmm. That would be so wonderful to hear it right from you guys and gals. <laughs> um so for the budget cuts i don't i don't know how to explain why the budget cuts happened i feel like oakland has just had a history of mismanagement and it happened to be that this year was just really difficult for everyone because we're ha- we had a new superintendent and it was new le- leadership and we were just trying to figure out okay who's going to take the rails and then we had the budget cuts to prevent going into state receivership mm. And our restorative justice happened to be one of the things that was proposed to be cut. I don't know. I asked this question, why? But no one can give me an accurate answer. But that's what happened. And honestly, for me, restorative justice has just been so powerful, like helping me find my community in Oakland. Um, I share this a lot. Like I migrated to Oakland like a few years ago. So I was pretty new to the to the country and to the community. So I was trying to learn, okay, what does it mean to be a black woman in this in this space? Or what does it mean to be an immigrant? What does it mean to be all these like different layers? And in my school community, like sitting in a circle actually helped me feel heard and helped me feel safe and helped me feel like, okay, these are people who have my back, right? These are people, okay, so I'm not afraid to raise my hand and ask a question, right? If I know that all these students know my story and they know and care about me and my teacher understands my situation. So I feel like specifically in schools, like where sort of justice just helps to build connections and help people be seen. Like, and what you said, like helps us to recognize our humanity mm-hmm. because in the long run, like we're all just, spiritual beings having a human experience right, right? right. and we're just trying to navigate the earth right. and figure out who we are <laughs> and restorative justice helps us see each other and helps us acknowledge that and helps us see that it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to not know the answer it's okay to raise your hand in class when you have a question um i feel like that's what that's how it has been most impactful to me i mean that about sums it up like <laughs> i think personally like in high school and a lot of my life i never had places where i could understand a lot of the things that I was going through, right? I think, you know, I think I heard this summer, but like, growing up, you always want to be the person you needed in life. Mm-hmm. And personally, like, I never had that. And seeing what restorative justice has done for communities, in my school at least, and seeing how it, it, is, it, does, it does make it more human. Um, like, in the power structures within school of youth to adults, right? Like, adults tell students what to do. The students listen. They don't get a voice. If they do speak up or voice their opinion, oftentimes they're in trouble or they get a referral or suspended in extreme cases. Um, but restorative justice forces people to acknowledge the humanity in everybody. And sitting in circle with teachers and administrators and principals and board members, mm-hmm. you lose sight of the power structure. And you, you lose sight of this person get, makes more decisions than me, therefore they're more important than me, and you see them as people. You see them as somebody who's struggling. and you, they, they see you also, and I think that's a huge thing. As a student in school who doesn't have a voice often, and in Oakland knowing that I can have a voice, um, 
Restorative justice gives everybody a voice. Everybody mm-hmm. gets to be heard and listened and acknowledged and appreciated and understood. I think that's one of the biggest things. Um, but to the thing about budget cuts, so the whole year we we were campaigning and trying to organize students around the budget cuts. Um, and it, it, it seemed like we were making progress. And then they said that they were going to cut restorative justice. Um, and then... So we did a bunch of research within the community and found out that there were four priorities. It was student leadership, mental health and wellness, college and career readiness, and... Teacher quality retention. Teacher quality and retention. And um, so restorative justice fell into a lot of those categories in, in multiple ways, um, which kind of speaks like the, how, how it crosses all bridges and it, everybody's involved with it. Um, but... So we, we were campaigning all year to try to mobilize students and get them to come to these board meetings and, and speak to their experience with restorative justice. Mm-hmm. And we did. And we had a lot of students come out and speak. Um, on national television. I, I, I mean, I we, it was viral on social media, The at least the budget cut right, the hearings, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So you mobilized well. Yeah. I think <laughs> at one point there, there was a... So the last meeting where they decided on the budget cuts... After the after um, Yota had had proposed an amendment to try to save restorative justice, um, and they they didn't pass it, so they 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 were certain that it was going to be cut, and we mobilized students. Students had a sick out, what we called the sick out, um, which was kind of walk out, and we had students um, at ten in the morning, mind you. They changed the meeting multiple times, the day, the time, so we were confused already, trying to figure it out, and we're closely connected with these people, and relaying information to our peers is very difficult and relaying new information over and over again makes it harder to mobilize. But despite that struggle, we, we had students march from a, co- a community college campus nearby and meet there, and then march to where the board meeting was happening and speak. And a lot of students came out and spoke, and that was, I mean, if that doesn't speak to the importance of these programs, I don't know what will. Student speaking is, is students speaking what they believe, but they ignored, and they cut the programs. So um, I think another big thing is like, that we learned is that there's always something else to go to. Whether it's the community, people around you, uh, the school district, the city, which is what we eventually went to, or the state. Um, but we spoke with board, with city council members actually, um, and we did a lot of work with them, and we eventually passed, or we, we got a, res- what was it? We got a resolution from the city of Oakland to support um, restorative justice, mental, um, foster, care, um, foster care case managers, and- Library libraries right so we got seven hundred thousand dollars from the city of oakland and we're also trying to organize more to get more money from the county Mm. but this is i feel like this is like a small win for us for all like the hundreds of students who are organizing and students who would cry at these board meetings and students who would stay late to whenever the board meetings ended just to get to speak and in the end we're we're able to secure like a small amount of money but restorative justice isn't completely saved and we're still organizing to make sure that it keeps happening because I feel restorative justice is so powerful, like specifically in schools, because we we live in a society where students are being pushed into a school, which is co- referred to as the school to prison pipeline, and we have students who are being suspended and mm. students who are being expelled and ending up in prisons, right? And mm. we depend on these system systems daily and constantly. And parents are like, go to school, but I'm like, I'm going to school, but. I'm being pushed in a pipeline that's going to lead me to my destruction, right? So how are we transforming those systems? Mm-hmm. And restorative justice is so powerful in that because if my, like I said, if my teacher knows me and knows my struggle, then I'm not going to get referred to my principal. Mm-hmm. Like, my principal isn't going to suspend me if he knows what my family's going through or if he, if he knows that I'm, like, going through mental challenges mm-hmm. or whatever. So there's, 
I don't I just feel reserve just is so powerful and the fact that OUSD couldn't see that really broke my heart but I'm hopeful <laughs> that um the city of Oakland can continue to fund it mm-hmm. and to the, to the county officials we've we've been in a meeting with um council member in this country and speaking to the school to prison pipeline right um what we what we do is we punish we punish and we don't acknowledge the humanity or the reasons why people are committing these crimes, right? If somebody's committing a crime, if somebody's willing, and this is an extreme case, of course, but if somebody is willing to take somebody's life, then they have to have the thought process that that is the best opportunity or the best place to put themselves in, you mm. know? And for somebody to think that way, there must be harm in their life. You don't come out, you don't come into this life thinking, I want to kill somebody. Something happens to you that leads you to feel like that is the only option, you know? And by punishing and by separating those people from the community, it further distances them from the humanity of their peers and the humanity of their community. And seeing my own friends go to being incarcerated and coming back into communities and and recognizing them physically but not re- recognizing them as the people that they are, it's 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 not human. It's not human to separate people from the community. We've built communities and we live in cities to survive, right? And we're 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 killing ourselves. Right? We're locking up our kids and sending them away in hopes that they'll somehow fix themselves. Right, But restorative justice is different than punitive justice. It gives them the opportunity to take responsibility and to acknowledge the humanity for the victim and the offender. You know, And it's, it's not just one person that's harmed. And something that we do during harm circles is we, we, talk to all, we talk to the two people directly involved. And one of the questions we ask them is who else was harmed? Who else needs to be a part of this healing circle to get better? You know, and I think a lot of organizations today are, are trying to shift that, that that punitive justice to restorative justice and catching students and, and, and youth who are, who are about to be incarcerated and trying to bring them back into the community and, and shift punitive justice to more restorative justice. And I think that's also the power of it. Thank you so much. You are so eloquent. And I'm curious about how youth are, you were talking about mobilizing, you know, and organizing. In our structures, as we're transforming from punitive to restorative, how specifically do you recommend or have you done with your youth colleagues to understand that this is the step we're going to take when harm happens? Is it policy? Is it just a shared understanding? How, how do you all get on board together? Um, so I think, like with, um, like I had mentioned earlier, with mobilizing, it, it it doesn't magically happen overnight in a community. People don't just all decide at once to do something, right? Or students don't all decide to leave school and come to this board meeting. They have to want to. And I think with the sort of justice in the in the the personal experience that it entails, um, I think that's also the power of it. You know, like seeing people as people and human to human to human to human to human, and discussing. I think um, one of the biggest things is like it takes a lot of work, you know, and, and you have to meet with people and you have to convince them or not convince them, but you have to be honest with them. And I think that's one of the powers of circle is that you can be honest. And um, I seem to have forgotten the question. It's OK. There, it's really um, centered around as we're coming on board together and knowing how much we value restorative practices and what that means, respect and inclusivity, um, (laughs) humanizing, you know, humanizing one another, knowing each other's stories. 
um, sometimes we struggle and kind of default back to a punitive way mm. when when we're not quite you know like you said it, it can't happen overnight and Dominic Barter says this work is too urgent to rush we can't rush the work mm. and yet we really are eager to support each other in a new way mm. and so I'm wondering you know if you've seen any evidence of an, an effective way to maybe with a little bit more expediency bring people on board so that when you know conflict inevitably does happen harm circles are the the go-to instead mm. of you know you're out of here mm. kick you out um to that point i do i think it speaks like the culture and climate of the school like mm. the relationships already exist in the school um so at my my former high school um oakland high school we we had an rj facilitator so she would hold circles like community building circles with different classes, with freshmen, like the incoming freshmen, she would hold circles with them. She would hold circles with teachers. So there was already a culture of having circles at Oakland High School. And so I feel like the issue now is making the system-wide structure of having like circles being implemented at every stage. But Oakland High was, to me, is the model school of like holding circles in every, because we have circles like at the beginning of classes or at the end of a marking period or like what, Whenever there's a conflict, like, we know where to go. Like, we know, okay. And I, it's not just for students. Right, it's for students and, and teachers. And, and it's probably the adults that need it even more right. in yeah. some ways. Yeah. Right. In many so, ways, yeah. right? So yeah. this isn't just we're, we're going to bring this in and do it just with youth. Mm-hmm. It's actually a benefit, as you're sharing, right. if I'm hearing you correctly, for the teachers, for administrators to have within their staff mm-hmm. uh, meetings, perhaps, even. Mm-hmm. So when I have a like an issue with my principal or my vice principal I know okay I need to talk to Miss Ariana who's our, who was our RJ facilitator like okay Miss Ariana can you have a circle with us because I need to talk to him eventually like I'm going to be in this school for four years so I need to figure this mm-hmm. out right and she helps me and she guides me through that process again because that structure already exists at Oakland High School mm. so it's about making it a part of the culture of the school for so students know, okay, this is who I go to and this is who I talk to if I have a problem. And teachers know, okay, this is who I talk to if I'm having an issue with my student. Mm-hmm. So like I feel like it's a community process and it takes relationship building. But what if a school doesn't have a go to person yet? There's mm-hmm. a lot of schools that want to implement but they don't have a coordinator or a facilitator on site mm-hmm. or even off site yet. What would you recommend as a first step? Honestly, students take the lead. If y'all want to get trained in restorative justice, get trained in restorative justice and make an RJ club at your school and advertise yourself and be like, yeah. okay, we're the circle keepers of this school. We're the culture keepers of this school. Like, if y'all need to be in space with us, if you want to be a community, like, students need to take control and take power because, honestly, I've seen situations where a lot of adults back up and... Because, because they're not trained in it and because they don't know how to hold the space. But I feel like students are more, more confident in that. So to every student listening, y'all take the mic, organize, <laughs> and get the circle at your school because we need it. Yeah. And I think to that, I, I'm, I'm with that 100%. Like, it's been too long for students not to speak. And historically, student movements throughout the world, you know, in, in South America and even in America, um, North America, USA, student movements have create noise you know but i think in implementing policy unfortunately we can't do it alone and we have to have the help of adults so to all adults listening work together we can't do it without you and you can't do it without us Mm -hmm. we have to partner and that's actually one of the workshops we'll be giving um at this conference but youth adult partnerships are at the core of progress Mm -hmm. you know and 
the power structure of adults telling youth what to do or adults doing things for youth, not with youth, is is what really stops progress. Because mm. youth have things to offer that adults can't offer. We can access spaces and communities that adults simply can't. And adults have power and leverage that we can't access. Mm. Adults look at adults differently than adults look at youth. You know, And I think that, that respect uh, comes with time. And I think a lot of these things take time. And, and with Oakland having a lot of schools where restorative justice is the go-to for a lot of conflict, it wasn't always like that, you know. Restorative justice has been in Oakland for, what, 10 years, 10 if years. not more? So it, it has been in a process schools in, in schools. It's been around longer, but in schools in Oakland, it's been around for 10 years. So it takes a lot of time, and you have to be committed to it. But you have to know that all progress is still progress, and all progress is still one step closer to implementing restorative justice as something that's common, you know. Mm. As we wind down today, I'd love to come back to this conference and the powerful session, uh, table sessions and pre-conference workshop that you held um, together with others from the leadership committee and, and other youth in general from across the country. Would you be willing to share either um, a few like words or phrases that really are with you right now from that workshop and those table sessions or maybe something that you're hearing on the ground right now on Friday as we're starting this three-day conference journey together. What's critical? What are you hearing or what did you take away or both from yesterday's experience? That's a really good question. Um, <laughs> that just opened my mind up. Um, I guess what I'm thinking, what I've been pondering about a lot is the collective vision for restorative justice across the nation mm. and what that looks like. Like, I'm still, tr like, struggling on how to visualize that because I'm not entirely sure what that looks like. But just hearing from a young person in Chicago or a young person in, um, <laughs> a young person who's from, like, Kansas or from Wisconsin, like, wherever you're from, and just hearing about how you hold space and how you hold circle has just been so impactful for me and I'm I'm like an East like is it the leadership thing the leadership styles I'm an East so I'm like a visionary like I think like the big picture so I'm just thinking about how we can like find a way to like coexist and like co-mingle all these different structures of restorative justice and how it looks like to us and bring that into one and feed like make it a part of our community and a part of how this nation exists because when we look at the history of this nation there's like so many harms that have not been addressed so how do we make that a core of what we want this country to look like and how are we passing it down to the younger generations to children who are going to grow children from oakland who are going to grow up and be exp like be exposed to gun violence or be exposed to mental health or be exposed to homelessness how are we making ourselves justice a part of them so they know mm -hmm. that i have my community and my community has me that's what i'm thinking about yeah yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, I think, like, what Yoda said, like, I don't know, meeting all these people from around the country and, and learning how they work and sharing how I work and, and feeling that international network starting to form and, mm. and, and feeling a bond between us and, like, like, like we're all linking arms and, and standing together and, you know, really just teaching each other what, what we know and learning from each other and asking each other questions and pushing each other and being uncomfortable. I think that's also one of the big things I've taken away, like the, the importance of uncomfortability. Mm.
because if you're not uncomfortable, you're not learning, you know. And I've, I've already I've been uncomfortable so many times in this conference, and I'm so grateful for that, you know, because I have to address some of the things I don't want to. And I think, like I mentioned earlier, it starts within us. Like, we have to be willing to address our own uncomfortability. And I think a large part of being American, whether we address it or not, is that there's trauma. Like, in the back of our heads, we know there's trauma in this country. We know that there's been harm done to our peoples. But we don't acknowledge it. I think that's one of the most uncomfortable things that we have to acknowledge. And that was part of our table talk yesterday, mm-hmm. like having these difficult conversations that need to happen within ourselves and with others. And I think a big piece of that is how do we get other people to have those difficult conversations, you know? And I think we have to be able to address it within ourselves first. So it's, it's a personal journey before it becomes this bigger thing. And I think as it's becoming this bigger thing, I, I've noticed that people are thinking differently than the people I used to be around, you know? And people are really reflecting on themselves and really reflecting on what they've done and what they can do. Thank you both so much. It's been an honor, really, truly, to listen and learn from you both. And I'm looking forward to doing more of that as we journey together through Sunday here (laughs) in Denver on the ground at the National Association for Community and Restorative Justice seventh conference and is there a way that people can contact you or get in touch with you um, a website or anything you'd like to leave our participants and circle audience with um i have a business card but that'd be kind of hard to (laughs) relay over this Um, i can i mean i'm i'm in with this international network starting to open i've i've been very open to having my email um, available to those who need it. Um, so if, if you have questions about what we do, or if you want, or if, yeah, if you have questions about what we do, um, be sure that I will probably have questions about what you do. Um, my email is Castillo, C-A-S-T-I-L-L-O, Griffin, G-R-I-F-F-E-N, at gmail.com. Um, and reach out to me if you have questions, like I said. Um, I think All City Council... How can we connect with that? Is like your Instagram? Can we follow um, All City Council <laughs> on Instagram? And that's the student union in Oakland. So mm-hmm. they can help connect us to, connect you yeah. to, y'all to us. And, like, follow me on Instagram at yot.cb. Like, if you want to hit, like, hit me up if you want to hang out. Or, like, if you want to uh, looking for someone to talk to. Like, yeah. I'm down to learn. Yeah. And if you email Griffin for, like, the professional stuff, he's going to find me and contact me we're working (laughs) one last thing what's one or two words that you'd like to leave um, for uh, adults um, for us to take with us uh, those of us who are adults that are listening um, and for youth Uh, two words is going to be hard if you couldn't tell I I got a big mouth on me Um, I forgot I'm on a podcast (laughs) Um, I think something that, I, that I've been thinking about was like, I don't know, okay. so I got two in my head. It's either stronger together, because when we are together, we're stronger, or, or steadfast together, and knowing that like, things that come our way, if we're standing together as youth and adults, not as youth or adults, but, and not even thinking about youth and adults, but as people with people, um, we're stronger. That wasn't two words, that, but I tried. But that's so beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for synthesizing. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to. <laughs> Instead of there being a line between youth and adults, mm. what we're looking for is to bridge mm. and to dissolve um, any division, right? Mm. 
Thank you, Griffin. Yeah. And Yota. Oh. <laughs> I know it's a challenging thing to bring it to two words, so. Um, okay, an elder said this to me at the pre-conference um, yesterday, and I've been pondering that question. So this is like my message to young people. Um, find your magic, and you can interpret that however you want it to be, whatever way you want it to be, but just find your magic and own that, and that's too many words, and be proud of it. Um, and two, my adults out there, I'm about to join y'all, um, just love life and be open. Yeah, just yeah, love. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to thank you too, Molly, for yeah, for having this you, space Molly. for youth to, to speak up. You know, it's it, it's a partnership. You know, it takes people like you and people like us to, yeah. to make this happen. Molly's great, y'all. She's like yeah, she's, really, she's, she's pretty cool. cool. She's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm listening. And I'm gonna keep listening because I've learned so much today. Mm. Thank you both so much. <laughs> thank you. All right, we'll look forward to hearing from you again yeah. soon.